0: When Janet Avison returned to the New Forest and the experimenters at the pole station were laughing their heads off, for it was not a dream, I sat in a cocktail party in mid-Manhattan. I had just changed into a man. Me, Joanna. I mean a female man, of course. My body and soul were exactly the same. So there's me, also. Hello and welcome back to Anomalous Readings A science fiction book club podcast I'm Nora. I'm joined by Jackson Hello And we're joined by our first guest It's Mark
1: Hi, that's
2: me Welcome to the show Thank you, very excited to be here
1: Yeah uh, You may know Mark from other such podcasts as um starboard vineyard tours uh another sci-fi it's a sci-fi essay podcast yeah um, it's the it
2: science fiction studies podcast so we're reading like articles and books about science fiction
1: yeah i have oh, listened yeah. to some of it it is very very good i strongly recommend if you enjoy this podcast uh you will enjoy that one um even more because <laughs> uh much better researched <laughs> this, is, this is a vibes based uh yeah. book club yeah um I would describe Starboard Vineyard Tours as uh, a, like, uh, academics too strong. It's like, you know how Game Maker's Toolkit is like, not, that's, that's the YouTube guy. Uh, what's the Game Study Studies buddies is like, <laughs> t- taking an academic thing with people with academic familiarity and summarizing it for a, a general audience uh, with a friendly vibe. That is how I would describe Starboard Vineyard Tours. So strongly recommend it to anyone listening to this to so go check that out.
2: Yeah, it is yeah. pretty directly inspired by Game Studies Study buddies. We're basically just doing what they do, but with a different field and... I don't
1: have a PhD. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's 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 good fun. Um and now I'm laughing but I called game funny study by the Game Makers Toolkit. <laughs> uh,
0: well, yeah. I will admit Welcome. I also don't have a PhD. I know everyone's <laughs> shocked.
1: I also don't have a PhD. I just have a regular undergraduate degree. I, get, I mean I get. is it an undergraduate degree? That's it's yeah.
2: In 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 the U.S., you'd call college or like what you'd call what you have an undergrad degree. Yeah,
1: it's weird, it's weird because like isn't the aren't I an undergrad because I haven't graduated from the degree yet, and then you're postgrad because you have because gra- you have graduated from the degree. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: confusing, but for whatever reason, like getting a master's or a PhD is called graduate school in the U.S. So when you do the thing before that, it's undergraduate. But yeah, that's this, how I've
1: done as well. But I just I just suddenly realized wait a second, the the graduate the, the thing they're referring to is the f- initial degree. That's the breakpoint line. Uh and yeah. then I got all hung up in the weeds there.
0: It's yeah, it's weird.
1: <laughs> I anyway, can recognize
0: a graduated cylinder at like 30 feet.
1: Uh,
2: that's what? true. It does have a distinctive shape of a, a cylinder.
0: graduated cylinder.
1: What's a graduated cylinder?
0: It's kind of like a beaker. <laughs>
1: Okay, I don't know what a graduated cylinder is.
0: It's
2: like a tool you use in chemistry class. Yeah, it's like the, oh, the cold, narrow
1: one. Oh, that's why I not know. I haven't been in chemistry class since two seven and 2008.
0: I don't know that I have either. Uh, but you know what I did do recently? I don't know if either yeah. of you did this. I read some books this month.
1: What books has everyone read that aren't the book we're reading?
0: So mainly, I'm going to talk about Fourth Wing right now. Um a book that has kind of been making the rounds on like tiktok and stuff it is a fantasy romance about a very lethal uh i almost said school i guess it's more of a military academy uh for dragon riders and i had a fantastic time (laughs) with that um it's all sorts of ridiculous premises and high emotions there's a lot of buy-in involved but i had a fantastic time Um,
1: according to the wikipedia page this is a new adult fantasy novel which is the fakest thing in the world is that had they have they made that real did they manage to actually get away with making new adult a real thing
0: i don't know some people use the word but it's not as widespread as something like ya is so i don't actually know if it's gonna stick
1: uh, that's that's just a book. You're just describing a book at that point. It's just normal. It's just a book. You can just say fantasy novel. You don't have to say New Adult fantasy novel.
0: <laughs> I don't honestly know what the term is supposed to impart to me. Um,
2: I, I get the but... sense that it means something that is kind of similar to YA, but has like adult protagonists and is directed at like 20-somethings, I guess. It's like mm. w- when you graduate from YA or whatever, but then people continue to read YA for the rest of their lives, so it's not clear to me. Uh,
1: um, yeah. Th- that whole branding distinction is very strange to me, because it, people get very intense about it, uh, but also, like, it's just a weird thing that I'm like... it's no- They're not that different from the books that don't have these terms, other than the like intensity of fandom around them and the weird rituals that have grown up around these, like, marketing terms. Yeah, it seems... I- I guess
0: the thing that I, the only thing that I would say stands out in any way is like the world building and like, it is a very sort of modern world building type fantasy book. Um, I don't know how else to describe that, but I feel like that evokes something to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, It just feels very like set and everything is like straightforwardly given to you as like this is this and this means this in a certain way that feels uh, distinctive of a more recently published fantasy book um i forgot what i was gonna say sorry i
1: interrupted you with the new adult you were enjoying (laughs) fourth wing you were like oh it's good fun with the dragon riding."
0: I love dragon riding. If you want to hear a more in-depth uh, discussion of it, you can go to the second episode of our Fist of the North Star podcast, uh, where I went in-depth on that one and um, did some, uh, I think we read a couple sections of it on the podcast and Autumn was making fun of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I listened to this and I remember that. Those were some quite striking descriptions that
1: you read <laughs> I, I haven't yeah. heard these this yet because i have labor under the pretension that i may one day read fist the north star um <laughs> i
0: recommend what, you do it's quite good
1: uh what do you remember do you have any other the quotes to hand or is that is that they, they're long gone uh
0: i mean i could pull up the the one that we did there i have it on the yes screen
1: pl- pl- please please do please if you could yeah. f- for me re- recreate this with someone non-familiar let's
0: see um it would be. Here. Oh, that's the other book. Let's see.. Uh... So to get into the school, they have to cross basically the bridge of Kazadoom, but on top of a mountain. <laughs> and uh, it's a very dangerous thing. And by the way, the the military academy that I mentioned, uh, by the end of your first year, half I think of the students have died, and you can kill each other too, if, as long as they're not sleeping. By the end of the second year, another third of that has died, and then by the the end of the third year, another tenth of that has died. So it's not. Why a various... are they in
1: the Sith Academy over here? What's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, part of it is intentional because. Uh, there was a revolution, and then the children of all of the revolutionary leaders get mandatorily put into the school in the hopes that they will just die um, and not have to be like executed by the state, which I guess would look bad, but I don't know.
1: This is more edgy um, than I expected. I expected the opposite. I expected much it, more like
0: it, oh, it's, it's definitely edgy. Okay. I, think well, maybe, I think that
2: maybe I think that may be part of the new adult thing that it is edgier than young adult.
1: Yeah, I was expecting much more, just like young adult, I guess, but it's older. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, so, I'm, I'm only familiar with him from the, the outside. I haven't like read the books, only hear like the discourse, which is a very ungenerous and bad way to go about it. So essentially, I don't know anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, let me just give you this little description of the Please. main love interest, Zayden Ryerson. His name does Zayden. Start with an X. <clears throat> Uh, he's tall with wind blown black hair and dark brows. The line of his jaw is strong and covered by warm, tawny skin and dark stubble and When he folds his arms across his torso, the muscles in his chest and arms ripple, moving in a way that makes me swallow and his eyes his eyes are the shade of gold flexed onyx. The contrast is startling, jaw dropping even everything about him is. His features are so harsh that they look carved and yet they're astonishingly perfect. Like an artist worked a lifetime sculpting him and at least a year of that was spent on his mouth. I'm
1: going to die <laughs> I'm cringing at that.
0: Are you kidding me? That's so
1: embarrassing? Uh, it's, you don't it's, need to be doing that much. It's
0: fun. It's fun. Um, this is maybe the horniest protagonist I've ever read a book about. So uh, that's awesome. Like, even in like life or death situations, she'll look over at her boyfriend and be like, damn, I could just fucking climb him like a tree right now
1: (laughs) incredible
2: yeah i think that's a little bit much for me as well but i don't like i've read like romance novels that had writing Mm -hmm. like that and really enjoyed them um so i don't like have judgment for this you know but yeah right now that does make me cringe
0: (laughs) it did i i was cringing at first um especially when uh this author uses, th- on three different occasions, uses the phrase, for the win, uh, just completely... In 2023? Yes. <laughs> um, so it is it is cringe, but also, uh, by the end of it, I was, you know, reading it on my stomach, kicking my feet in the air, so...
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You know, I'm glad it was a good time. Uh, yeah. I'm just not, it was not fun,
0: you- in, in a way that uh, not every book that I enjoy is. So,
1: goofy, goofy time.
0: Yeah. Also, there's a this author really liked Aragon. I can tell. <laughs> there's just you have a the lot sense. of little similarities to Aragon. Um, like when you um, bond with your dragon, you get a little mark on your body, which is a thing that happens in Aragon.
1: Mm-hmm. But um, one of I think the thing that separates me from a lot of um, like SFF fans generally. <laughs> Uh, is I couldn't give less of a shit about dragons, like conceptually, and not in like oh I hate them. I just am not like dragons. I'm maybe as neutral on dragons as anything, and dragons often come up with, like they're like the coolest thing in the fantasy world. And I've I've never been like oh yeah dragons. Oh I, oh I guess there's dragons here. I always forget. That's dragons how little I think cool. about dragons. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, this...
0: when a dragon is a guy.
1: You do love when a dragon is a guy. That's <laughs> that's that's why you like Aragon.
0: More than, I think, anybody else.
1: (laughs) Definitely more than Chris Paolini.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be true. Oh, this guy is so obsessed with branding. His new, like, brand for the setting of Aragon is called the World of Aragon. And he's like, (laughs) well, we didn't want to just go with Alagasia, which is the name of the, the land, because that's too complicated and hard to spell. We wanted something easy and, like, snappy. It's like... Okay, so you went with something really boring. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Get him. He's got The World of Aragon and The Fractal Verse. But we've we're already well versed in The Fractal Verse on this podcast.
1: Didn't it already have a name that wasn't that?
0: No. Wasn't was it like not...
1: The Something Saga?
0: Uh, well, the the books were The Inheritance Cycle.
1: The Inheritance Cycle. That was it. See? Why not call it the Inheritance Universe? That's way better. And I mean, he just needed the name Aragon in there because Aragon's the only one anyone fucking knows.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no one's going to be calling it the world of Brisinga.
0: <laughs> the world of Aragon Shadeslayer and <laughs> the theory of your schooler. Uh,
1: anyway, thank in you. In theory,
0: I, there is a Disney Plus uh, adaptation of Aragon on its way, but I don't believe that for a second.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that does sound really fake.
1: I'm sure they've greenlit Uh, a million things.
0: Other things I read were... I picked up a book called Paladin's Grace by T. T Kingfisher. And uh, that's been really fun. It's been a little cozy type of fantasy story about a paladin whose god died and this perfumer. And they are meeting each other. Kind of falling in love and also solving a mystery at the same time. It's been fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, nice. That's it for me. I don't know if it, either of y'all wanted to talk about a book or two.
1: Uh, Matt, do you have a book? Uh,
0: yeah,
2: so I, um, I actually have been reading. I'm in the middle of uh, Roadside Picnic. Um, oh shit yeah! yeah. Yeah, yeah. It be because you two talked about it. Um and I am the kind of person who wouldn't be bothered by listening to the podcast before reading the book. So I did listen to your podcast. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I love the I love the like sense of character, like how fully you get inside this guy's head and his like mm-hmm. how how he's like very you know, in some ways very like admirable and impressive and he's a cool guy, but he's also like, just, Oh, so pathetic. Um, and it's <laughs> delightful. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have like a ton more to say about that, mm-hmm. especially cause I'm, you know, still halfway through. Uh, but
0: yeah,
2: yeah, it, it, it rules. Um,
1: yeah. It incredible does.
2: book.
0: Definitely one of my faves.
1: Yeah. Uh, I read, um, this is actually right before last podcast, but we didn't bring it up because of, um, uh, we were talking about too much Star Wars bullshit <laughs> 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 famously. Uh, but I read a small town in Germany, the, uh, John the novel. Um, because I've been going through those years ago and I've got back to that. Um, I would like to keep, uh, plucking away at them. Uh, those books are kind of all the same, but um very, very good. I really, really liked it. Uh, it turns out every six months i am ready to watch some guys tersely uh talk around some spy shit be horrible to women and uh lose badly and be depressed about the evil empire of the uk um i i really i really like this one it's it's a very good one um i think it is because yeah, i only read the first four but it's definitely high up there uh, probably the second best of the first four uh Just, uh, very good and uncomfortable, um, and I, I just love his prose, uh, I like, (laughs) I just like when there are terse, sad men who are really awful to be around, um, I think John le Carre writes, I would describe his novels as less, like, critical than self-hating, like, he is, in real life, like, a shitty man, um, who, uh, was, like, sleeping with all his friends' wives, um, and also, like, a spy for the British government, right, uh, but, like, hates those things so deeply in a way that I find very interesting because, like I said, I would describe it as more self-hating than critical. I think there is criticism you can pull out from that, uh, but it feels so much more emotionally loathing about those things uh, and, like, a portrait of why they're disgusting than it is, like, a reasoned critique from a smart person trying to, like, <clears throat> think, imagine a new way of being, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's good, it's good, good stuff. Um, uh, I continue to pluck away at those, and they're very good. So... Strongly strongly enjoyed.
0: Many of our friends have long journeys of kind of samey media. Like, you have spy novels. uh, Crass has Zatoichi. We all have these crosses to bear. Every
1: time I read another spy novel, I'm like, it doesn't hit the same. It just doesn't have the juice. Like, I tried Mm. to read the Ipcrest file, uh, and it was doing the same thing, but just not as fucking good. (laughs) So... Um, I guess I'll have to find other similar uh, people and maybe I'll find, like, I assume I'd be more likely to find uh, other good spy novels, like, 20 years later from, like, women or something. Everyone else is in kind of in the same, like, post-Fleming uh, area of the, like, contemporaries in the 60s and 70s. I bet the genre widens up a lot uh, as the, like, demographics of the writers change and they're not all, like, British dudes in the 60s. Mm-hmm.
2: I definitely want to read some Le Carre like it just honestly, what I've like heard from you talking about it and also from like culture in general, it seems Mm -hmm. really cool.
1: Yeah. uh, I strongly recommend if you, if anyone's interested in doing that in reading the first book first, um, cool for the dead. The first one he wrote, uh, in many ways it might just be his best one. Um, It's it's not. There are a lot of of things he's already got better at in the time I'm reading. But like, it's so interesting to me how fully formed the entire genre is from his like first book. Instantly, the whole thing's there. Um, and and it's like 160 pages, and uh, the entirety of spy novels are contained within that. Uh, So can't recommend reading that one uh, enough as people's first point of call. Cool. Yeah.
0: Cool. But yeah, those are books. Those are some books that you too can read. (laughs) <laughs> and now for one last book for this podcast that you too can read is our book club for this month, The Female Man by Joanna Russ, which was recommended to us by Mark here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the one who said let's talk about this book. I I'm not sure how much I would say it was like actively recommended and that I was like, Oh, this is like a great book that we're all gonna enjoy a ton. <laughs> Um, I, think I meant to
0: say brought or chosen, and then I said recommended instead.
2: It's you no, know, it's okay. I like recommend this book in the sense that I think it's fascinating and like worth reading uh, for historical reasons because it's like very famous and influential. But it's a weird book, and a lot of it is a polemic about things I already know, and um, <laughs> it's got some like weird, very seventies ass values, and yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think weird is maybe the predominant reaction I had to this book. Certainly, um, so the structure of this book is that there are nine parts, separated into individually into like between like a dozen and fifteen or so sections, and each section is like different. Like some of them are narrative pieces, some of them are like poetry, some of them are like written like a script, or or something else entirely. Sometimes
1: Uh, there's just tweets. Sometimes there's tweets in this book from the (laughs) seventies. Yeah, there's tweets tweets in
2: this book. It's so true. (laughs) Uh,
0: And as far as I understand the plot of this book, it is that in the so. Four different versions of the same person in different universes start to, like, cross paths, and each of these worlds is different, and we get a little window into how different they are, but not that much of a window, I guess, because one of them is, is sort of the main attraction, I guess, which is this world called wild Away, um, where... There are no men, and society is way more like spread out and like uh, diff- like structured completely differently. and we get a lot of discussion about how things work in that world. The other worlds are not as I did not feel as uh, defined as that one. I know what they are because it says on the back of the book but I wouldn't have been able to tell you that from reading it which well, there's, is
1: there's, um Gen- genie's world uh that's like an alternate um 20th century because there's a paragraph early on where they talk about like what Germany is doing and like Japan and the war and like the war didn't happen um and so it's like, the I, I, Wikipedia says the Great Depression never ended, which the book doesn't get that explicit about it. Uh, but you can tell like, something kind of went slightly different in the 20th century and it's a little shittier um, in many ways. Uh, and yeah, Joanna back, is just in like the regular off.
0: The back of the book says, Janine's world is much the same except Hitler never took power, World War II never happened and the Great Depression continues.
1: Yeah. Um, and so like, Janine basically is like, It's the modern day, but uh, early 20th century, late 19th century, like, um, patriarchal values remained, like, unchallenged. You didn't have, like, first wave feminism and stuff is kind of the Mm -hmm. deal. Um, And then while away is this utopia uh, that's, like, contrasted with that, and that's Janet. I guess...
0: Yes, it's, I guess it's um, a utopia. It is.
2: It
1: is p- positioned as a utopia. I do not agree that it is a utopia, right? <laughs>
2: in, in terms of its like narrative or like literary structure, it's definitely like specifically a, a lesbian feminist utopia. Mm-hmm. But, yes, but uh, um, also probably the- anarchist. I guess, like politically, I think you could call it anarchist.
1: And it, the book, the the only reason I realized it was meant to be a utopia uh, was when the book reveals the dark facade behind the utopia. I was like, it already seemed pretty dark to me. I don't know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which comes from the uh, final world, which is a uh, jail's world, which is uh, introduced like later on, uh, uh, dystopia Very late. where where. Uh, they are having a hilarious Star Trek war uh, between the woman landers and the manlanders who are in an eternal war for struggle over <laughs> uh, the planet. Um, and the men and the women can't agree, and they're at war over this, um, and the men just want the women to, like, make a peace deal and admit that they're still subservient and the women are like obviously not uh so they are at war and the reveal is that like that's actually the like past of while away right while away says that uh the men all died in a plague um but they were actually killed in this war and this has been like repressed societally this like violence the the, uh, the heart of the uh like the heart of the society and um the ending is basically, and that's okay. It's cool to do this kind of violence. Which, you know what, fair enough. That's the, that's not my, that's not, when I'm about to critique the worldview of this book, that's not the part I'm necessarily critiquing. Right? <laughs> I think the part where they all like, are like, you know what, maybe we should become fucking like freedom fighters in a multidimensional gender war. Uh, I'm like, yeah, fine. I don't necessarily, I think you're like, you have a really binary conception of what freedom fighting is in this thing. Um, but the part where they are like, you know, maybe uh, it's pretty funny.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's like a pretty good summary. This is a really hard book to summarize. I, yeah. It's
1: not. It's not a hard book to summarize. Well, it is a book where summary is like violence to the text because yeah. to summarize it. To summarize it is to put it in a narrative form the book's not a narrative. It's so many disparate things that overlap and confuse uh, and you don't know who's speaking in the text until you like pick up context clues. that um, to like attempt to put it in a neatly understandable, logical like through line, uh, just kind of takes away all the intended meaning from reading the book. Um, so which isn't to say you have to read the book for listening to the podcast, but it's to say, like it is very different to the more standard narrative books that we've been reading up till this point, easily by miles.
2: Yeah, it's extremely like experimental and in a way that I think it's really striking that a book that was, you know, shocking and experimental in the seventies continues to be just like really unusual and like not a part of what we would expect like a novel to be in the twenty twenties. Like it's it's not uh it it has not, like, become Normal over time This is not a thread that science fiction Picked up
1: No it went really into like lore And uh Uh, Other stuff Yeah
0: I Was kind of Lukewarm on this book For most of it And Mm -hmm. at some point I kind of started to lose Patience with parts of it And got really frustrated with it but mm-hmm. now that it's behind me, and I can focus on talking about it and thinking about it instead of reading it, I'm actually a lot warmer on it <laughs> than I was this morning. <laughs> I yeah, think it's, it's definitely really uh, interesting
1: it can definitely be a frustrating book, and I think that that's like fine, right? It's fine for the this like kind of repetitive, annoying book, like very didactic mm-hmm. uh and not only didactic, but like when you pick at its ideology, you can find things that are like. The, the, the starting flames of things that are so fucking evil today, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you, you can pick at, like, Jail's violence and see like, it is good and important to reflect the violence of men back to them. And the only way that can, like, that can be overcome is to, uh, like, admit that there is violence happening and respond in kind. Which is, uh, I think, the intended read and how, like, you're meant to see the discussion at the end of the book. Uh, but you can also see, you know, when you have this radical feminist book saying that we should kill every 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 man, uh, you can see the like seeds of things that are, you know are v- very evil that we see on Twitter every fucking day uh, mm-hmm. start there, right? Um, I think unpacking that stuff is the interest of the book, but it's definitely an uncomfortable book that's often confusing about ideas that are like have like the visions of feminism presented in this book have been ran with in so many different and contradictory ways in the last 40 years uh which is part of why i find it so interesting um but it is definitely like a thing that you want to like finish and hold in your head and like consider
2: and one thing i one thing i think you can say for it is that russ knew that at some point in time the politics of this book were going to become like retrograde and annoying Um, Mm -hmm. that's like in the last paragraph of the book, which is this weird little address to the book itself. Um, basically like describing her, her wishes for what will happen, how people will read it in the future. And one of them is that like the book is going to become old fashioned and that that's not a bad thing, which I think parts of it really have, even if other parts of it have remained, uh, really just kind of singular.
1: Yeah. Um I think the strongest parts of this book are the really affecting descriptions of just like the experiential life of um specifically Janine. Yes. Uh, and just like the mental torture of, you know, being a woman in uh this alternate 1969 where it's still kind of 1930s. <laughs>
2: I oh, also, yeah. yeah, I, 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 on reflecting, also found that the Janine sections were the most compelling. I mean, they're the most like um, modernist psychological novel.
1: Yeah, that's that Just kind of like becomes like sad realist novel in those sections.
2: It, it's almost um, not like completely, but there's a almost like Virginia Woolf esque quality. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the intense focus on just like the minute movements of this one person's like psychic reality um and very little actually like happening narratively as that takes place,
1: yeah, and in fact that like the little happening is like key to the horror of it as you like understand the enormity of like her reactions to every possibility, and then that she just kind of ends up going along with them anyway, mm-hmm. um like with the stuff where like there's a whole whole sections where like marrying cal is basically the worst thing that could ever happen to a human being in her mind um and after she goes through all these possibilities and like considers her life uh and imagines different ways just ends up like going through with it because it, it still doesn't seem like a way out so it's like fuck man that sucks
2: <laughs> yeah and and this leads to her in the end being like yeah basically i'm fine with my world being used as a base for like eternal um like horrifying gender war like yeah go ahead um she's not even she's not like converted to the ideology of like kill all the men she's just sort of like you know that wouldn't be too bad
1: um yeah uh especially because it's like it's one of the things that um jail says uh, to, <clears throat> towards the end when everyone's like finally all connected together uh is that janine's like maybe figured this out the most right it's like has been exposed Directly and indirectly to the most, like, blatant and constant manipulation. And despite seemingly, be like, there's a uh, narration where she's called, like, the weak one. Um, mm, I'm not uh, sure
2: I agree with that, actually.
1: Is, 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 is she not the weak one, or is the weak one referring to someone else? This is part of the confusion of the thing.
2: Well, yeah, I think it's not entirely clear. Like, because I think it's completely believable that from Giles' perspective, like, Janet is weak. Um... That's true. Um, but I don't... I, I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong. Um, mm. I think maybe we're meant to, like, toss that around in our
1: minds. Mm. I, I took it as, like, Janine is the more, like, surface-level <clears throat> surface idea of a weaker woman. Sorry, <coughs> right, dying over here. Of, like, a weaker and more servile woman in that she's, like, married and has accepted all these things. Mm-hmm. But Jail is, like, pulling out that She hasn't actually accepted these things. The, every single thing has been done against her will at, like such psychological degree that she is like so constantly aware of the violence at every step of the process yeah um, but that was at least how i like came out of it so i need to drink a bit of water you <laughs> carry on do you I want know
0: to
2: know? oh sorry go ahead
0: i just was gonna say we haven't really talked about janet at all <laughs> who is the other the one from the from while away and uh Early on in this book, I thought more of it would be about Janet being like a fish out of water and like causing ruckus by not understanding societal pressures around her. And there's a good deal of that, but it kind of gets swept away for other things, like other things happen from like midway on, but um, she's always seems to like just be weird in every <laughs> circumstance.
2: I I think there's a real desire to be like okay, if I'm if I'm going to imagine this uh, you know, far future uh utopia question mark whatever. Um I I appreciate Russ's dedication to making that world like truly alien. Um mm-hmm. like when she shows up in uh you know the real modern world or contemporary world um she it is like an alien first contact scenario um, yeah. uh,
0: I guess yeah. um she's also an assassin
1: the jail's the assassin
2: well no Janet so Janet is a cop. And in yeah. her society, being a cop sometimes means you have to, like, chase someone down in the wilderness and execute them. So I think that makes her
0: an assassin, also.
1: Yeah, she's, she has done some killing. She's, like, she is yeah. saying, I have killed four times.
0: There's a scene in this book where we watch her shoot, like, an old lady. Yeah. Like, with a sniper rifle. That sounds so funny to say, <laughs> but it did, it did happen.
2: Yeah. And I do think that there's at least some question as to, like, is this a utopia from, you know, before the very end, because of that, like, that you can't, you are not allowed to abandon the society of while away. Like, if you don't care Mm -hmm. for it, um, you can't just say, fuck this and run off into the woods and, like, live there on your own. You, you will be hunted down and killed if you object to this social order in that way. Um.
1: The the um, rigidity of, like, the modern world, specifically, you know, I guess, the, the uh, genie's world, where, like, it's modern, but uh, a little, like, earlier in the century, the values that, like, you know, marrying well is so important in a way that it isn't quite for Joanna as we're, like, in this transitional phase uh, of, like, how... Um, gender and labor are, like, allocated, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Jeannie's uh, talk is about, like, y- you can't even work as a secretary for long because you've got to go home and have kids forever, right? Um, and stuff like that. And it's interesting to me that, like, while away, there are no men, but the state has filled this role in, like, women are still so rigidly forced into a family structure. And it's a completely alien family structure, but it is ultimately still an enforcement of, like... A societal wise structure of reproduction and, and like raising that is by violence enforced on every member of the society. That's still true of Wilder Away. They have not escaped like that part of uh you know even getting the getting rid of men has not uh got rid of that and has in fact increased it due to the like technological reliances on like the um the basically the way they have to like you know, have kids with weird technology because there's no men around.
2: They all um they they practice eugenics explicitly. Yes. Um everybody has like a a high IQ, which like, oof, shudder.
0: Yeah. There there's also the part where like their work week is sixteen hours long, but because they're not allowed to have like leisure unless they're pregnant, they don't feel like they aren't always working.
1: Um, yeah it's like a total it's not quite total like individual suppression but it feels a very different like expression is very limited and while away mm-hmm. right you can walk around forever but like there's less uh like forms of pleasure i guess um like the way janet talks about like intellectual pursuits is just so different to how uh mm-hmm. uh the other characters are like thinking about their own own lives Um, and it often goes back and forth. Like, like some, I feel like the book is intentionally both in its vagueness and also just in like the contradictory ideas it's presenting, playing with this idea of like sometimes this is like a terrifying society of like this weird sci-fi dystopia where all the babies are planned before time, um, and sometimes it's like this liberatory thing where uh, a different like vision of womanhood exists, um and the like social mores of the modern day are like. Mm revealed to be fake and structural uh and both of those two things i think exist at the same time in the way that while away is like talked about in this book
0: Mm -hmm.
2: i think there's a real like i I don't think that while away really quite is this because i don't think that this is actually within russ's imagination at the time but i think Mm -hmm. something that is being like grasped toward here is a post-gender utopia because there's this desire i mean the title of the book is about this for just to be, like, a like a human being, like, unmarked by gender. And that's what it yes. would be to be a man, in some sense, in the, like, construction of the parts of the book that talk about that. So the idea, basically, of the, like, the female man is that it's, like, contradictory. You can't, in the world that exists, be a woman and, like, just a full person. And wild Away is a place where that's not true, but then at the same time, being a full person in wild Away is, like not what we think that is in our world
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think it is significant that it is implied that like that's built on the back of a horrific violence and not not just the violence actually it's not the violence that has caused this it is the erasure of the violence it is the fact that no one in while away understands that a violence was done yes um do you want to know something is, like, oh sorry please continue oh no no sorry i was just kind of like Part.
2: something that i find absolutely shocking and this i discovered in reading for my other podcast where we also covered some of joanna russ's writing because she's also <laughs> uh like a critic um yeah. uh she believes that this is a basically non-violent book a book that doesn't have a lot of violence
1: in it which is not true no yeah. The, one of the pivotal scenes of the ending is one of the mi- most like brutal murder scenes ever. I've she, ever seen. <laughs> I think that so
2: she makes this claim in response to a reviewer who is like, "This is a like terrifyingly violent book." And I think that she,
1: okay, that the in reviewer that conflict, is
2: like saying something really stupid and shitty, right? Which is like, yes, yes, th- because this book is opposed to the current arrangement of our society. It's violent. Um but what I would actually say is that it is all about the violence of the current arrangement yes. of society.
1: Everything that Jeannie G- uh, experiences is violence at all times. Her life is constant violence, even though she's like not in like physical danger as much as some of the other characters. Um, yeah. It's so potently violent, everything she experiences and goes through.
0: Yeah, yeah. I also want to mention the weird... Uh, sex slave robot at the end as well.
1: Oh man. Ah, <laughs> uh, the all the womanland stuff is th- <laughs> the ways in which this like stuff right at the end of the book goes into pure like Star Trek kitsch about the the man society, uh they're all like getting weird about it and they uh have make all their like gayest most beautiful boys have sex changes, but in the female society they're like making sex robots and I'm like, "What? Excuse me, what's going on here? N- nodding on the door."
2: <laughs> yeah, I have like I I have to believe that the the star trekkiness of it is is to some extent purposeful that it's not meant to mm-hmm. seem like wholly plausible. Um, yeah because it's it's like it's a completely brutal war that's going on between manland and womanland, but then they are also like cooperating literally for like procreative purposes. I don't know if that yes. means they're actually having sex with each other like or if they're doing like if they're all getting together and like uh you know donating their gametes to each other selflessly um but it's just like it's hard to comprehend
1: uh yeah it doesn't get as cl- this is the stuff where like I feel like my perspective as a uh boringly material marxist critic come in and i'm like okay but like materially how is a society functioning because it gestures enough to like it understands the contradiction of we have this war between um two groups of people that like biologically need each other to survive uh and understand thus this war is going to be inherently contradictory but i just don't get enough details to know how that functions and i do agree that i think you're meant to read it as like a very silly like star Trekky, very one-sided metaphor right like when star trek brings up some aliens who are like we're representative of this real issue and they're so simplified as to be cartoonish i think it is definitely playing in that kitschy space with like the self-awareness of that
2: she did uh, like star trek a lot um
1: that makes sense because yeah it's extremely in that vein
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah i'm glad that i read it i'm glad that i had that experience even if I uh was a little bit frustrated with it along the way, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah um. i I'm glad that I read it too um I probably won't go and read any of her other fiction,
1: yeah um I was I didn't expect to be the most positive, but I think I generally came up oh, away mostly okay with it There was definitely like like say it's didactic. I'm like I i know the being a man is very bad. Um, and then you end up end up frustrated by the limits of the imagination of like what it means to be free of gender, which it mostly posits as just like you know the women winning this war. Um, and as a non-binary person, right, doesn't like examine like other potentials. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I think that like you say that I think that, that stuff is within the text, but it's not not like linguistically necessarily ex- made explicit. Uh, even if I do think there is grounds for more of that kind of a reading. Um, it's just not as, you know, the book even says it will be dated after a, a while, right? Like the book is explicit about how like the imaginations of gender uh, and the relationships between genders will like change over time and new views will emerge. And I think like acknowledging that is a really good way to like close off the book and remind people like there's no, can't really gain that much from arguing against the book from 1970.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, also, just, like, in terms of, like, you said you being more positive on it. I'm certainly not putting this, like, in terms of um, anomalous readings books. This is going to be far from the bottom.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a really all crunchy m- book.
0: For all my frustrations, it has really uh, been interesting to talk about and consider in a way that I can't say about... A lot of science fiction books I've read in the last 12 months, but, um, yes. yeah, this was fun. I'm glad that we had, uh, this book. I'm glad that you were here, Mark, to talk about it with us.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, it's, it's been delightful and I'm really like happy that you, uh, agreed to have me as your first guest. That makes me feel very like, I don't know, Flattered.
1: I was very excited. I'm glad you asked, and I'm uh, glad you uh, chose such an interesting book to like dig into. Thank you. Um,
2: this I, is
0: where... Oh, sorry.
2: I think I was about to say the same thing as you. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, this is where normally we might uh, you know, check the email, uh, but we have no emails because we have a new email address for this podcast. You can send emails about this podcast, about any books that we've read in the past, to anomalousemails at gmail.com.
1: So true.
0: And oh you yeah, can do that especially next month because I feel like next month we might uh, have some good email fodder coming up.
1: Oh, uh, that's so true. Um, we will be reading Nor you, you chose this one, so we we
0: gonna... did. You, you uh, we can... be, next month we will be reading Mobile Suit Gundam Awakening by Yoshiyuki Tomino. No, all, all three, all of them. All three?
1: It okay. comes in one book. It's one book. It is one book I, in three. There are three like, light novel next stuff. It is, I promise you, the whole thing is one book. We're not doing more uh, than one episode on Gundam.
0: <laughs> I was, I was going to be like, okay, we're going to read 180 pages or whatever. But no, okay. Uh, Awakening, Escalation, and Confrontation.
1: Uh, yes, those were serially published. That is, I would consider that a single book. <laughs>
0: Damn. Okay.
1: I know it makes it a little longer, but I I, I don't want to do uh, a discussion on one-third of Tomino's Gundam
0: books. <laughs> <laughs> is this all of them? I thought he wrote more than that.
1: It's all the ones you got in English.
0: Oh, wow. Well.
1: It's all it, it it is the novelization of the show Mobile Suit Gundam. Well it's it, it, it's actually very different than that, but it is yes. that's what it is. Uh he he has gone on to do future Gundam books with different titles about different points in the Universal Century. Um like but most of those aren't translated. I don't think there's a single other one that's fully translated. But like he did Zeta novels, he did Victory novels, he's got Hathaway's Flash and Gaia Gear, but those are all in various stages of uh, fan translation. So yeah. I didn't expect this to become Gundam podcast, but it will be next month.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we did my science fiction hyperfixation, which is Star Wars. It's only right that we do some Gundam, too.
1: Uh, but I do want to point out, you suggested this. I did not think yeah, about this.
0: that's true. It's been on my shelf uh, for y- literally years. Like, I remember the first episode of Ars Arcanum, I mentioned, oh, I want to read Mobile Suit Gundam alongside Elantris. That didn't fucking happen. <laughs> barely read elantris
1: man elantris seemed like one of the biggest bummers of any i have tried to get into sanderson like twice and i've always stopped because of how bad elantris is i should just skip it yeah you don't read
0: elantris get... you don't need to you could just start with miss that's what i did it's way better
1: yeah everyone likes miss even though it's, it still seems a bit uh well i mean very 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 mormon but um <laughs> not as like messed up as lentris
0: yeah
2: I, I definitely found reading Mistborn after Elantris to be a breath of fresh air, even though I think there was a lot about Mistborn that was also pretty cringe.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, but it... The chances of us reading a Brandon Sanderson book on this podcast are pretty slim. Because it would have to be the over stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can always... The threat of it always looms over us, but... Uh... It is a slim possibility. This is generally a sci-fi book club podcast. I guess yeah. we could make a pivot into fantasy one day if we wanted to, but... Uh, I
0: mean, not- like, there are his Starfighter books, but that's kind of a younger audience than we typically read for, so...
1: That's yeah. true. We don't read for... We read for books like for adults, like uh, Vector Prime.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and Snow Crash. <laughs> <laughs> Snow Crash. Oh, but, but nobody in Snow Crash is going around calling their CO jerk face, you know? Yeah, it but they're stupid. calling
1: them something way worse than racist. <laughs> <laughs> is Snow Crash a new adult book?
2: <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Thank you. Um, Would you like to plug where you are on the internet?
2: Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at Char Asnablunt um, and on Blue Sky and co-host as Venn Diagram. Um, I... Uh, had a Moby Dick podcast on the Abnormal Mapping Network, and we, we finished <laughs> the book, but the, the whole thing is still up there, and I think it's really good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like we talked about before, I have my Science Fiction Studies podcast that's currently running. Um, when this goes up, the most recent episode will not actually be the Joanna Russ episode, although, you know, check that out. Um, but the most recent one is going to be on the first chunk of the book, Metamorphoses of Science Fiction, by Darko Suvin, which is like, um, I'm not going to try to give some sort of summary explanation of it here, but it's really good, it's really, uh, famous for a reason, um, so I hope people who like science fiction will go check that out, and, uh, maybe it'll be enlightening, maybe not, uh,
1: Yeah, uh, thank Jackson. you so much for joining us. Yeah, you can find me at Headfalls off on Twitter.com. Uh, you can find the podcast I do mostly at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, and you can find uh, any Patreon podcast I do at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping, uh, where you can find the great Gundam project for $1 a month. We are about to start Gundam 00. Yes! Uh, so that's that's going to be a whole load of fun.
0: Finally, um, a British Gundam.
1: <laughs> a what? <laughs> like
0: James um, Bond. <laughs> yeah, sorry, give me a second. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> 7. I,
2: I am among the people who are excited and, and hopeful uh, for Double O. Although I know that there's a lot of pressure on that, but
1: no, there's no pressure. It can't be worse. It can only go. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I think there's going to be parts of it that you'll just be like, "Well, this is uh, delightfully absurd." That's that's my hope.
1: Here's the thing: is I have heard, like, contradictory things about how smart or stupid <laughs> 00's politics are. Uh, but I have seen one other show from the writer of Gun Double 00, and it was called Birdie Wing, which is a stupid fucking television show with characters I really like. And at this point, that's what I'm looking for. Yes. That's all I need. Yes. Oh, that's
2: yeah. that's what I believe 00
0: is. That's my opinion.
1: So, very excited. Couldn't be more excited. Nora.
0: You can find me on everything. Uh, Twitter, co-host, the other one. uh, At Skull Daughter. Find stuff I've done at norablade.online. Support this podcast by going to exportaud.io or patreon.com slash exportaudio. Give us some money. You'll get a whole host of podcasts in one feed, each of them a week before their respective free feeds. We got... Uh, Well, I don't know all of the podcasts anymore Because we've been changing some stuff up a little bit But if you're interested in Fist of the North Star, we got you If you're interested in Hunter Hunter, we got you I promise we do things other than manga
1: There was a strike on There's been a strike on that's affected your ability to talk about bad movies Yes,
0: that's true uh, And good movies too <laughs> Some, some of the movies we watched were good
1: Okay, but let's let's be real here. Part of my franchise, <laughs> we'll be returning when uh, the A, a- M P T P makes a deal.
0: Yes, and until then, we will be uh, doing "Pardon My Fist" instead, which is where we we're reading "Fist of the North Star," uh, which is great. Uh, we're having a fantastic time over there. Um, other than that, uh, you can catch me on. I also have a podcast on abnormal mapping called "Journal Updated." Where Molly and my I journal. play video games every month. Uh, it's the next month. episode coming up will be Starfield. The new video game Starfield. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. I've finished it already. I'm on my fourth character. You know. It, wow. So You're making guys. I'm making guys. I'm making moves, I'm making guys. That's the thing you gotta know about Nora.
1: That that's not how I would ever play this game. I would make one guy and I would get all of the powers on the one guy and then I would just use that one guy forever, because then he could do everything.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't make sense for me narratively of why my guy would be so many different guys. So uh, I make
1: I, I couldn't tell you how little <laughs> I am interested in the narrative integrity of Bethesda's Starfield, the world in which for some reason, uh, the two the two equal sized big factions of the human civil war are the fucking Citadel Mass Effect Destiny City, and six shacks in a desert (laughs) reenacting Firefly. Don't ask me how those are two equal factions in the universe of Starfield.
0: It's just that cowboy grit, you know? (laughs)
1: Uh, Thank you for listening, everyone!
0: Yeah, uh, we'll be back next month, like I said, with Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, Until then, keep watching the sky!